Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, we, we are doing this out on a Saturday. We're not usually out on a Saturday, usually out on a Monday. We thought with this, this episode you might like to listen to us talk about our life as Watford fans, but talk about our life as Watford fans while walking 18 plus miles. It was over 18 miles and you'll find out why. Um, for the Taylor Trek. Um, and Mike, who's here with me? Hello, Mike. Hello. Uh, before we start, John, it's absolutely tipping it down outside. <laughs> yeah. The weather is miserable. Uh, and all I can think about is being somewhere slightly nicer, warmer, um, slightly more pleasant environment. So it's a good opportunity to give a shout out to Rob Myers, who I've been told listens um, to us uh, from Nelson in New Zealand, all oh. the way in New Zealand. So a massive hello to Rob. And I wonder who our farthest listener away is from me at this exact moment in time. I'll work out later how far it is from me in Chesham to Rob in, uh, in Nelson in New Zealand. But it's fair to say... I wish I was there. Hello, Rob. Hello, Rob. Yeah, he got, got me much further. I don't think that he must no. be. He must be. New Zealand is is by far the landmass wise, unless you're in the middle of a boat in a certain position in the South Atlantic or the South Pacific or whatever it is. South Pacific. Um, cool. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. But if you're further, if you're further away from Rob, we'll shout you out. How about that? Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to be further than Rob to get on the podcast. No, not really. Or, <laughs> um, or closer. Or in, also in Cheshire with me. So miles away or stupidly close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll get our ruler sticks, our meter sticks. And our, well, they're, well, they're trundle wheels. Those trundle wheels you used to have at school. We used to measure and <laughs> click just to make sure everything's precise. We didn't actually do use the trundle wheel on our walk. Um, uh, we were told it was 18 miles. In fact, but you and Dave did do your best with your little apps to figure out exactly how many it was. Highly confusing for me, though, uh, because I had it in my head. We were doing miles. Uh, and uh, Dave was all in kilometres, and I had to do some sort of conversion. And it, it, I don't think I ever got quite got settled as the day went on. But we'll get to the, the Taylor Trek in a minute. We, the, you know, this is a sort of a preview podcast, Mike. We haven't done one of these for a while. Um, and we were about to see, or on Saturday, on Sunday, about to see um, Slavan, Slavan, Slavan. Uh. Slavan, Slavan, Bilic. We all know it's Bilic, don't we? Yeah, we all know it's Bilic. Uh, his first game for Watford at Stoke away. Uh, can he do it on a Sunday afternoon in Stoke? I think there's any time of the week you can do it in Stoke, that's the time to do it. Just very pleasant, I suspect. Mm. Um, but I was thinking back to all the... the you know, we've, we've seen a lot of managers. As I said the other day, I think we've seen 19 managers uh, or head coaches um, at Watford since we've been doing this podcast. Now, can you remember their first games? What ones, what ones do you remember? Which ones stick in the mind before I read off the list of my research? Uh, which ones stick in the mind? So I remember Kike's first game because, if unless I'm remembering, misremembering, so it'll be that first game in the in the Premier League, wasn't it? Away at Everton with that with that kit that we all remember, so synonymous with the excitement. Well, it is for me anyway. Uh, and it was it was a two all draw, wasn't it? Away at Everton, and I remember thinking before that, of course, remember we'd only had two seasons in the Premier League. They'd been one hit well, one hit wonders is is, is over egging it, but we'd been up and down pretty much straight away, and I was a bit. No idea how we were going to going to fare in the Premier League that season. And that first game against Everton, like, eh, all right, we're going to be able to hold our own, I think, here. So I think that was a really enjoyable one for a, for a host of reasons. And of course, we went on a decent run and uh, we kept the FA Cup semi-final that season. We certainly did, we yeah. Did. No, it was, it was a good good um, start and it sort of draws a bit you know, after that, but it was good. Now, can you remember as far back to the first man? Now, technically, we went podcasting when he started, Malky Mackay. He's first, not when he was a caretaker manager, when he was actually officially the Watford manager. Do you think he won, mm. did he draw, or did he lose? I'm going to say 
He won. I'm going to be drew. positive. He drew. All In right. fact, drawing is the most likely outcome because out of all the managers I looked at, um, I 50% of them were draws. And I a draw for Malky is absolutely perfect because <laughs> like a good father, he taught us he taught us that famous phrase that we've all used probably weekly over. since then. Never too high, never, never too, too low. low. What's never too high and what's never too low? Something's right in the middle. A draw. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Don- Doncaster Rovers. Uh, I do like the Dices one. It was 2-2 away at Burnley. Like he was really hedging his mm-hmm. bets for his uh, current and then future employers. Um, Zola's, of course. Now, you didn't. When I mentioned this before we started recording, I said, surely you remember Zola? You went, no. Yes. It, it yeah. was a great start to the Pozzo era, that one, wasn't it? I think I was at a wedding. Yeah, um, I think I was at my friend Tim and Sue's wedding and it was one of those where you're checking your phone, checking your phone. It's like, oh, we've lost on the first. It's all right. It's first day of the season. No problem. We'll be, we'll be all right. Palace away is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. And then you ch- checked a couple of minutes later. It's like, yeah, we won, we won. <laughs> those, those, those two late goals. So that was, um, yeah, little did we know. Little did oh, we know. What, how naive what we, we were. <laughs> yeah, we called that season the Zola Coaster, didn't we? But yeah. it's been the... It's been the Zola coaster ever since, really, hasn't it? The ups and downs and trials and tribulations that all started in earnest that day, didn't they, really? It's mm. uh, incredible to look back. You can see it in your mind's eye, can't you? Um, there's a sunny day, Vidra peeling off to celebrate in, in front of the fans, football manager on the, on the shirt. Was it, was it Abdi that scored the other one? Uh, Can't remember. It was 3-2. So the first goal of Pozzo era, right. a league goal, was Martin Taylor. Uh, and then Abdi scored one and uh, Vidra scored one. I said it with such confidence, but now I'm doubting myself. But who cares? <laughs> um, the, 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 one, other, one I, the other one I thought you would definitely remember was Giuseppe Sonino or Beppe to us. Do you remember his first game? All I can remember when I think about Beppe Sonino is uh, having his initials on his uh, woven into his shirt. I'm you pl- did something that's, very that's special on that, ga- on ah, that game. Ah, Ipswich. Ipswich, Ipswich away. away. Yeah. yeah, nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah, one, I was one. in the... <laughs> one one <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's right. Because I was I was shadowing Alan Cosy that you day. You were, yeah. Um, uh, it's amazing. In Ipswich, they've got the photographers' pits, if you like. They're sort of dug out, so you're you're effectively sat almost at, at, at pitch level. Um, and yeah, Alan was telling me all about what basically how the the, the art of, of of football photography. And one of the things that stuck with me is is always doing a bit of research when Watford sign a player or watch a Watford player when he scores a goal to see which direction he runs off in to try and make sure that he's kind of in that area to take a picture because you always want the celebration shot when the goal went in. But yeah, that was... Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll see if I can dig out that... Alan tasked me with taking mm. one decent shot of, a shot of Beppe that day and I, it, was, it, was, it was fine. Um, oh, it was good. It I, I, I think when we, I first saw it, and I will share it on our socials, that when I first saw it, it was like, oh, that's all right. But actually, his, how he's, he's sort of swinging out his collar or swinging out his tie and he looks sharp. I think, yeah, that's Beppe. And yeah. as, as time went on, it, it was the perfect picture. Now, no points. I'm not going to put the pressure on. Do you remember Oscar Garcia's first game? Uh, was it Charlton? It was Charlton away. It was a loss. Yeah, yeah. I was there with uh, with my brother and uh, Dave Cameron Walker of this very parish. No, that was another Charlton game. Was it? Yeah, that was another no, Charlton that's... game. This was one at the beginning. Oh, it was one nil. Wait, it was like September, wasn't it? I'm thinking you're, you, you're yeah, yeah. one with DCW. I thought that was a midweek one you used to go to. When... Well, maybe, but oh, I'm going to say okay. I was there anyway. <laughs> uh, but the one, one, I do, one I definitely remember, and, and that, that links us in quite nicely to this to the game on on Sunday against 
Stoke is Javi's first game because yeah. that, if I remember, and I've probably got this completely wrong, but I seem to recall that was a midweek game away at Stoke. He'd taken over from Marco Silva, hadn't he? So we were all feeling a little bit down in the dumps. Um, Watford were playing badly under Marco Silva because he decided that he didn't want anything to do with us anymore. Um, so Javi took over at, at Stoke. We drew nil-nil, but I remember, sorry to lower the tone a little bit, but I remember that's the night I got the call yeah. to say that Dad was poorly been diagnosed with, with prostate cancer. And um, I mean, luckily, that's now attached to a lot of very, very fond memories because A, Dad is, is, is doing well, got some, got some good treatment. Loads of outpouring of support from, from friends and family and, and links to the podcast and fellow Watford fans, which manifested itself in that amazing walk we did for, for prostate cancer. We walked from uh, St Albans to Wembley via uh, Watford and, and Barnet. It was, it was a really, really great day. Richard Johnson did it. John O did it, did it with us. We raised loads of money for, for prostate cancer. So, um, yeah, it's sort of, I remember exactly where I sat in the lounge wasn't didn't go to Stoke. The call came in, and it's sort of yeah, one of those those moments you'll never forget. But luckily, it it sort of spewed forth some some good memories. But and I think it's probably worth saying, um, prostate cancer is. I don't know. Why I'm laughing, but it's still a it, it's a really serious issue for for chaps. Certainly, once you start getting to my age, John, uh, old old and fat and lazy and whatever. <laughs> It, so do check it. Do get you know just basically get yourself checked, lads, and, and keep an eye on Prostate Cancer UK. Do do great work. Lots of football adjacent fundraising. Um, so yeah, good a good opportunity and a good reason to to give those guys a shout out as well. So the other ones um, uh, that you might not remember. So I'll, go, I'll I'll whiz through these. Billy McKinley, yeah, two one at home win against Brentford. Slav, first Slav. Now we've got Slavan, you know, first Slav. He won away at Sheffield Wednesday 3-0, but he went on a terrible run. Like We lost five games in a row, or it felt like it, until we played Fulham away. So a massive great start, massive dipper than an up, up, up and away we did. Um, you've already mentioned uh, Kike number one. Uh, he got a draw. Walter, a away draw at Southampton. Marco Silva, a home draw uh, against Liverpool. That was at 3-3. And then uh, Javi was nil-nil at Stoke. Another draw. Um, they're the worst one, I think. Well, no, he, I tell you, this is why I don't like this one. Because there's a thing. Like, even though they say about Slav, it was really good one. Great first win. You always want a bounce. And a bounce has to be more than one game. But uh, Kike on his second one. Of course, we've got that great comeback draw against Arsenal. And then we lost 8-0 the following week against Manchester City. Should have, should have beat one that game. That's one of yeah, the most annoying have. Watford games I've ever yeah. been to. I mean, we came back from 2-0 <laughs> down. And it felt like it should have been cause for celebration but I think that was the day we set the record for number of shots against that Arsenal had ever conceded if that makes sense so the number yeah. most number of shots that Arsenal had ever like conceded it. in the Premier League um, we, we should have won that game and I think that's a bit like Newcastle last year that was the moment when I, I really knew we were doomed Arsenal were there for the taking that day and we weren't able to uh, to knock the door down and take the three points and uh, yeah yes, uh, so it proved there aren't many. Like said, there are a lot of draws and not many losses, apart from so far we've talked about the Oscar Garcia one. Um, uh, Nigel Pearson lost his first game two 0 away at Liverpool, but it was a great performance. And actually, it was a loss, but only two away at Liverpool, uh, which we had some terrible score lines there. Either we had some great wins at Vicarage Road. Um, then, of course, we had Ivic, which was a one nil home win. Cisco, which was a one nil home win. That one against Norwich on Boxing Day. Um, of course, that was during the lockdown. Then Claudio, with what is the worst first game for a Watford manager? <laughs> Five nil loss against Liverpool. 
it wasn't pretty yeah. and it continued not to be pretty. Let's not dwell on that. Roy um, Hodgson, of course, had to get a draw. What else would Roy get? Uh, and that was a nil-nil at home to away, sorry, uh, to Burnley. And of course, Rob. Uh, he did win his first game, uh, a 1-0 win at home on the opening day of the season uh, against Sheffield United. So we don't, we, 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 I'm expecting a draw. I mean, I'm hoping for, for a win, as we always are on the weekend, Michael. But you just think it's been a turbulent week. It has been for us as fans, of course. But how, much mm. it, how quickly it happened, how almost out of, you know, out of the blue it happened. And I think that isn't just for us. And he's got returning players sort of coming back to something they weren't expecting. You know, you just hope for a solid team performance and something to, to build on. And that's sort of why we're doing a podcast. This is this is the weekend podcast, and we're not going to do one after the Stoke game. We're going to take in the Stoke game, and we're going to take in the Swansea game, and then we'll have a chat about what Bilic is, has done or seems to be thinking or has achieved already. Because one game and picking apart can be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit too reactive, I think. So we're going to... This is the weekend podcast, and we'll do another one midweek after Swansea game. But is there is there one thing in particular you think, you know, lots of people might be listening to this on their way to the game uh, on Sunday. What do you reckon it is that he needs to, you want to see, let's say, not just him, not just him, from the whole thing. What is it you want to see on Sunday, Mike? It's it's asking a lot, but I think it might happen by, by default. I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of pressure off the players, because as you mentioned, John, Slavin Bilic isn't going to have had long with the team. Um, a week, at, a week at most. They've had players coming back from from international duty as well. So it's kind of it's not a free hit, but it kind of is in some regards because it's just the just the 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 turbulent week that's led up to it. No one really is going to have too many high expectations, which is, I think, why you rightly say, John, we're going to we're going to wait and see until we. We pick the games apart, but so hopefully they can just play, perhaps with a handbrake off a little bit. They know that um, you know they've Rob's gone. There's nothing the players can do about that. They've got a new manager to impress, and um, they'll be wanting to make sure that they they can stake a claim to be in in Slav Slavon Bilic's team moving um, moving forward. So I what I'm hoping for is just a bit more fluidity, which I think has been really really lacking. I think. When Watford have had the ball, they've looked like not really being that comfortable with it, apart from uh, people like Pedro and, and, and Espria who really wanted to, to do, some, do some magic to drive on and make something happen. Apart from that, Watford haven't looked comfortable in possession. And what I'd like to see is just, it's just a handbrake off a little bit. Um, I know they've been hamstrung by the balance of the side and, and that isn't certainly going to change overnight. That's more about what's available to us as a squad as opposed to a, a head coach. Just hopefully they, they, they're freed up a little bit and we start to see... We, we know that there is there is decent players there. They, they, to be perfectly frank, the squad that we've got, we should have been playing better. We should have been playing better football. We should have been scoring more goals and I think we should have been tighter defensively as well. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, they're, they're always funny. 12 o'clock kickoffs, no one's really got a chance to get going. The crowd, whilst it is a, a usually a good atmosphere at the 365, the 12 o'clock kickoffs are always a bit bit sleepy. So if Watford could get, get going quickly, which they, they haven't done at all this season, so that's, that's another thing perhaps, John, and perhaps a little bit more achievable. It's just a decent, quick start um, just to get at the opposition early. 
um, and, and make them worry about, about us instead of vice versa. Perhaps that's something that we could hold on to as, as a group of supporters. Because I think everyone's caveat the, what's happened by saying that Watford haven't exactly um, torn up any, any trees so far this evening. One of the th- big things we were complaining about was poor starts. So Slavin Bilic will have noticed that, I'm sure, by watching a tape with his, with his team. And if we can see uh, Watford get onto the front foot quickly, then there's no reason we shouldn't be uh, uh, enjoying our Sunday lunch on uh, this coming Sunday. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, but we're going to take you back to last Sunday uh, when Mike, uh, myself and uh, Dave Messenger, uh, who is a long-term friend of the podcast, uh, he was on the podcasting before he worked at the football club, but he is currently the EDI, the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion lead uh, at the club. Uh, and we recorded this as a podcast. Uh, so we pick up the story with me saying hello again, because I've already done it on this podcast, uh, somewhere on our journey from Vicarage Road to Abbots Langley to the Meriden and back to Vicarage Road, which we did last Sunday. Here's our Taylor track. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Hello, and welcome to From the Rookery End. That's a very breathy introduction, John. Well, it's a very breathy time, because we're currently walking up the canal, the Grand Union Canal. Um, How far in are we now? Four kilometres? Four or five kilometres, yeah. Feeling absolutely knackered already, so that that, (laughs) that bodes well for the remaining... Uh, what is it? Fifteen miles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we are we are on the Taylor Track part of the uh, special uh, charity fundraising event that the Watford Trust are, are putting on. They were told this first time they're on a sort of an event like this, and we are on the Challenge Route, which is eighteen miles. You've probably seen on our socials uh, donate button. Uh, if you still want to donate, you still can. I'm sure you can find it on uh, at Watford Podcast. But we're sort of heading now. We've, we've gone through Watford. We went to the museum. Which popped was in. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Sarah was there. Jeff was there. And just to see all that stuff. I know most of you or many of you will have been to see the, the exhibition or popped in to see. But just to see all the, the memorabilia in there. I can't stress enough how evocative it is to see some of the, some of the stuff. There's a Benskins pub sign in there that just makes me feel, takes me back to being a kid. Um, I didn't drink as a kid, not for that reason. But just seeing those Benskins pub signs, just always used to make me think, right, we're we're in and around Watford and it's on a match day and there's so much stuff like that. It really is a little treasure trove of Watfordy goodness. So I'd, I'd urge anyone um, who hasn't been to go. And also thanks to Sarah and Jeff and the volunteers there for welcoming us in. Cup of tea, glass of water, little Graham Taylor badge, beautiful stuff. Well, I didn't get a cup of tea because we're walking with Dave Messenger. Uh, and Dave said, no, we haven't walked enough. We're not allowed to have a cup of tea. So we haven't had a cup of tea yet. We, were, we won't say what he said when I tried to crack open a San Miguel. <laughs> um, and uh, then we've walked through Watford High Street, went around, the, 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 of course, the St Mary's where Graham was, had his funeral. Uh, and we've walked, just gone through Cashew Park and we had a sit on the bench that Elton got for him after his, his death. So we're well on the way. But why are we doing it, Michael? Well... Because I'm unfit and I, uh, I got kicked out of bed and I need to do something worthwhile. No, I'm, <laughs> well, I am unfit and I did get kicked out of bed. But um, we've raised money for the, for the Watford Trust, really, which we, as you know, we often say on this podcast how proud we are of what, what Watford does. It's not just about what's on the pitch. It's about the sort of commitment to the community. It's about walking the walk, quite literally, in, uh, in our case today. And putting back into the, into the community... And that's what the uh, Watford, is it Community and Sports Trust to give it its full yeah. title? That's what it does. And 
So when this opportunity came up to, to raise a few quid for them and hopefully to raise a bit of awareness as well, I thought it felt like a really good thing to do. Um, I'm just so proud of what they, what they do. It's important that as a football club, it does something in the community other than just football for me. I think feeling like a big family, feeling like you belong to something that is just more than football results. Uh, and that's what the trust helps deliver. So, yeah, really pleased, really proud to be trying to help deliver some, raise some money for it. So we are on our way back to Vicarage Road, where we started this morning, via King's Landing, Abbott's Langley, back through Garston. And we'll do some little, we'll call some bits more of the podcast as we walk through there. Um, but the football chat and uh, imaginary world of being a football manager has already started. We'll get back to that a bit later on. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Oh, OK, how many miles now, Michael, are we on? How many miles? Yeah. Uh, it must have, we must have done 18 by now. <laughs> Surely. Well, I, you, I can you, tell you... Uh, oh, f- you can tell I'm not an, uh, uh, that active. I'm fumbling around with Strava like some sort of, well, like my dad, <laughs> basically. It's absolutely hideous. But I think we've done about. See now, where's it gone? I think we're about. I, I, we, my route? I think we, because we've just been in Kings Langley Cricket Club, uh, which is the. Oh, here we go. A, th- yeah. a third the way. So I reckon that's about six miles that we've done. We've done 13 kilometres. How many miles? Okay, is so that? just over. Yeah, so we, I think we're doing thirty-six kilometres or something like that. We reckon right. with that bad, you know, averaging, rounding of how many do you convert miles for kilometres? Ma- but magic bit of cake at Kings Langley Cricket Club, may I say? It's an absolutely beautiful day, uh, sort of very uh, cricket, crickety type day. You sat, sat there on the boundary edge, half expecting to sort of throw the ball back after the number three had smote a lovely cover drive. Um, it's, it's, it's the, day, the weather is absolutely superb so to uh, sit at Kings Langley with a cup of tea and a slice of lemon cake absolutely magnificent I'd walk 13 kilometres for that every day I reckon <laughs> it was a joy uh, I just love the cup of tea generally because yeah, it was, it was perfectly timed I felt um, one thing was, uh, in, in terms of time is we've got a bit more time now Michael Yes. with Mr. Jal Pedro he signed a brand new contract now when you found out he signed a new contract in 2028 was well, the first thing you did, you try to figure out how old he would be at that point. <laughs> Far too depressing to, to work out, to, to work that out. But no, really, really pleasing. And in some ways, and I don't, don't mean this to sort of dull the, the excitement of the news, because it's obviously good news for Jow, it's obviously good news for Watford, it's good news for us as, as supporters. Kind of not surprised, because it struck me that Jao Pedro seems to be a really, really decent professional, someone who's committed to Watford it became pretty clear I think after the transfer window it certainly felt like that for me that there was no real desire on his part to to leave certainly that's how I felt about it which is which is great he feels committed to Watford committed to the cause um, and has therefore signed this contract which which benefits everyone for a host of reasons so what not massively surprised but but definitely definitely pleased and it's uh yeah, it can only be good news, can't it? I, I like that. We haven't got to do it that often with these sort of extensions on players That's when it's happened. It? It's huge, and you know, making a thing of it, you know, making a thing of a, and, and further commitment is all. That, that felt good for me. Yeah, and look, the bottom line is it means Jao Pedro's got a new contract, so you'd imagine that means a, an increased wage, which is uh, a, a thank you for for hanging around, basically, for sticking with Watford, for not 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 kicking up a fuss during the transfer window. So. You could argue he's deserved that raise. And of course, uh, being attached to a long contract, that there is therefore value 
to Watford. So if if he is going to leave in the in the summer, which probably you'd, you'd expect, Watford can say, well, there's his contract. That's his uh, that's his value to us. Um, we've got him for another five five six years, and um, unless you take him away, so we need we need recompense uh, according to that. So good for the player, good for the um, good for the club, and it feels like we we did sort of half worry about whether January might be an issue. It feels like that's been put to bed, doesn't it? Yeah. You feel like that's a full stop. Jao um, Pedro is going to be here for for this season, which. If we're going to have a successful season, I think he's going to play a big part in it. So, yeah, so good news. Uh, congratulations to, to Jao Pedro, I guess, and, and congratulations to Watford. Well done. <laughs> well done, everybody. Now, we, we said earlier, we're walking with, with, uh, with Dave Messenger, uh, of course, very well known across the Watford family, uh, the, uh, the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, or Manager. Or Lead. Or Lead, that's a better <laughs> word, isn't it? That sounds much better. Um, now, Dave, you have this sort of a ritual, almost, that you do on away car journeys, don't you? Yeah, it's been going for a number of years and um, a couple of really good friends of mine who will remain nameless, but um, they know who they are. We've always had this thing, on a long away journey, what better idea and what better way to while away the hours in the car than to pick a Watford 11? Anyone can pick a best 11 or a worst 11, so we always try to find a, a little bit of a twist. So we've had the worst 11 of players who had really good debuts <laughs> or players that had really short Watford careers and burned brightly so whatever whatever subject we could come up with and try and find an 11 and uh, yeah we've been doing a little bit of that already this morning haven't we? Yeah so this is I keep calling it the let down 11 but it's the 11 players who we got really excited about not necessarily when we signed but mainly when they signed or mainly when they broke into the team through a youth player but really just didn't do it and they were a little bit of a letdown sort of 11 so the the team we picked so far uh, it's gone quite well we had some patches where we were quite lost but i think we've we've come come good in goal uh day we picked bardson yeah espen bardson well what do you want to know one half million quid (laughs) one half million quid for a (laughs) for a player or a goalkeeper who eventually lost his place to the brilliant Alec Chamberlain, who, we, as we also said when we were talking about this, we seem to sign a few goalkeepers in that particular era that then lost their places back to Alec Chamberlain, so we might as well have just stuck with Alec Chamberlain in the first place and saved ourselves a few bob. So, yeah, Espen Bardson in goal. I quite like... The one thing that I do like about Espen Bardson is it puts me in mind of that silver goalkeeper kit, which I quite, quite liked. He did, he did look the part, but when you're a football player, well, as I've proved, because I have got a pair of shorts and a shirt, I can't play football, so I can look vaguely like well, I used to be able to when I was 18. He looked, he looked the business, but and he came from Spurs, didn't he? Like Dave said, it was a, it was a proper transfer fee, which back, back in those days, a million and a half, certainly for Watford, was a significant investment. And it felt like, it felt like we could do what we actually did go on to do with some big-name goalkeepers, that we could... We could sort of re-kick, we could kickstart his career a little bit after a, a, a faltering uh, time of it at, at Tottenham. I thought, oh, okay, we're going to we're going to get someone with the obvious talent here, and he's going to we'll get our, our collective arm around him, and he'll end up being good for us. Go, but Gomez and Almunia style, yeah, Gomez yeah. and Almunia style. Yeah, I think they did too well to uh, to be part of this eleven. <laughs> and there was always a little bit of with them when they turned up was like, well, they should do well, and we hope they do well. We weren't excited that they would do well. The rest of the uh, defence. Uh, we went with uh, Paul Mayo. Oh, it's going to be echoey. We're going under a tunnel now. And, well, he was a late but 
definite firm in terms of our left and right backs. Juan Carlos Paredes, Dave. Yeah, I'm going to go with Paul Mayer first because I think it's, it's, it's obviously clear that we need to just clear that up and just say there's not many left-backs that you sign that go, oh, wow, we signed that left-back for, oh, wow, he's amazing, isn't he? Um, but we did, I think, when we signed Paul Mayer, I think there was a little bit of, yeah, we kind of need someone because Paul Robinson had gone, I think, or was about to go. So we knew we needed one. So it was, he's a bit tenuous. He's a bit of a stopgap in this team for now. But uh, Paradise definitely isn't because... Either, when we signed him he'd played for Ecuador in the World Cup that summer and been really good and being absolutely superb <laughs> and the commentators in the, in the games always said Juan Carlos Paredes there signing for Watford in the new season we believe and so you, the excitement levels were just through the roof and then he absolutely ripped Bolton to bits on his debut and it's, it's not that he had a bad Watford career no but it, it didn't live up to expectations. It didn't, did it? It was a very, 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 very bright start. You mentioned he ripped, ripped Bolton to, to bits, but I think, I think he also ripped his larynx to bits as well because there's a story, and I don't know if this, this is true, but it, I can't remember who told it to me, but someone said that Juan Carlos Paredes had an illness or, or something so that resulted in him losing his voice for quite a considerable amount of time. And that, in turn, led to him communicating with players and staff almost exclusively with whistles <laughs> not like a rest whistle but sort of like like some sort of extra, R2DT like some sort of extra from one man and his dog um, so for that reason and he did look a little bit like a, a dog didn't he with his with his hair um, god I'm going up a hill in case you haven't <laughs> yeah, yeah this um, is, we're doing this on the move remember this absolutely <laughs> atrocious is a, so yeah exciting it, it, good worth putting him in just to have a yeah. chat and as for Paul Mayo well, didn't he? Was, did he have a big throw? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Okay. So that's but that's about as far as it went, isn't it? But, but you knew about the throw, though, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. We must have done. He must have played. I presumably played against us at some point, and we'd oh yeah, fella's got a good long throw on him as well. We'd love a long throw. Go back to Steve Sims and Lee Sinnott and Steve Terry and the eighties. Blimey, we love a long throw. So yeah, probably a little bit of excitement because of that. But going back on the parade thing, <laughs> reminded me of another eleven that we picked one time, which was an anecdotes eleven which was a team picks purely of players that we had funny anecdotes about. But we're not going to get into that right now because some of them weren't <laughs> family-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stories from, uh, yeah, not the best place in the world. The um, centre-backs, Mike, we went with... Well, we've, we've have in, in many ways with this eleven tried to pick players from throughout Watford's history, at least our time supporting Watford since the 1980s. And we went with a, a combo... At centre backs, Ramon Vega, who yeah. was quite, we found him quite quickly, but then Issa, Pierre Issa, who has a sort of legendary status, but for completely the wrong reasons, yeah. not footballing, that's for sure. But we, so we stuck those two in the middle because of, well, well the Viali era. They're an iconic central defensive duo, aren't they? But you, you think of that, that yellow kit with a Toshiba on it, you think underperformance, you think Watford in the doldrums, you think. A mess, you think, Ramon oh, yeah, Vega, right back, you and you think Pierre Issa being tipped off the, off the stretcher. I thought perhaps, you know, Ramon Vega was what didn't really fit in because I didn't think he was, he get it was an exciting signing. But I think you two have taught me around a little bit because of course he was. He was someone who'd been there and done it, hadn't he? Super experienced, and a, a sort of a recognised name, which is football supporters we all, we all enjoy when we sign one. He turned out to be awful. Uh, so did Pierre Issa. Whether it was the stretcher incident that shook his confidence, um, 
to such an extent that he could uh, never really turn it on for Watford. We shall never know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the midfield three we've got we've got we've got a four three three formation, uh, and we well actually was the first one you picked, Dave. So therefore, his captain yeah. is Mr. Lewis McGugan. Lewis McGugan, midfield, centre midfield, and captain of this eleven, without a shadow of a doubt, for no other reason than when he played for Forest against us. It feels like every time, it can't have been every time, but it feels like every time he'd get the ball 25, 30 yards out and whack it in the top corner and you were like, yeah, he's a player. And then when he signed for us, as two things I remember. Number one was, oh my God, well, he can't score against us anymore. That's brilliant for a start. <laughs> but also he's going to be doing that for us now. How cool. He's such a good player. We're so excited about him. And then Forest fans that we knew were like... Yeah, you won't be saying that three or four games in. And we're like, no, no, he's brilliant, Lewis McGugan. Absolutely superb. He's the epitome of this team. Because everybody, I won't find a Watford fan listening to this now. And if there is one, right into John and Mike. But if you can think of a player you were more excited about Watford signing than Lewis McGugan, I'd like to know about it. But he was the quintessential excited when we signed him and he turned out to be not very good. But you'd, you'd get those moments from him when he'd play yeah. brilliantly. He'd have a great game. And he'd score a good goal. I'm out of breath because it's Hill now as well. It's Hill, it's a big hill. It's, hill, it's a killer it's hill. hill. But you'd get those games when he played really well. And it's almost like, well, there's no point picking him for a month now. <laughs> because you know now he's not going to have another one of them yeah. for another three or four weeks. We'll put you in the diary about yeah. three weeks time. We'll see you in three weeks, Lewis. Yeah. We'll, just, uh, we'll just stick Alexander Merkel in the team instead. It was another name that I've been going our 11, yeah, wasn't he? Is, he is, <laughs> Merkel is at 11, yeah. isn't he, Michael? He was... Inconsistency. But he was signed in the January transfer window. I think he literally... He was signed on one minute past midnight. You know, the deal had been done, but it was all announced really on New Year's Day. Yeah. And I, mean, I can't remember anything about him since then. It was, it was a loan signing, wasn't it? So we need to caveat it with that. And I think what we've, some of the signings that we've talked about so far have been ones where we've been operating at a certain level, a certain sort of type of the market, looking at certain players to complement a side where we're sort of comfortable where we are really not really challenging to do anything spectacular whereas uh, when we were signing Alexander Merkel it was kind of felt like a changing of the guard a little bit a little bit different approach in terms of the caliber of player we were looking for because basically he came from AC Milan (laughs) and yeah exactly and I don't care if you're a kit connoisseur or not but when you see anyone in that iconic red and black stripes, um, not of Watford away in the 90s, <laughs> of AC Milan, you think there's got to be a player in there because you think Van Basten and you think Hullet, uh, you think those sort of players. And, you know, Merkel, there was a bit of buzz around them, wasn't there? I don't think he's played for Germany's full side, but I think he certainly had under 21 on us. And he was supposed to be pretty good. Uh, yeah, we know, he was over the M25. So... Um, he was supposed to be pretty good, and basically he, he wasn't. And I remember letting myself think, right, we're into signing some decent players here. Silly, silly me. <laughs> so we've got two in midfield so far. Of the three we've got in midfield, the two picks so far fairly modern, recent. But the third one we put in, Dave, was Mr Richard Hill. Yeah, Richard Hill. God, we're going back a little bit now, Richard Hill, but... Um... I'm just going to make the point here that I wanted Stephen Hughes in, but you're right, there's already, there already Viali players plenty in this 11, so no Stephen Hughes. But Richard Hill, he was supposed to be the replacement for John Barnes, if yeah. I remember rightly, and he'd ripped the lower divisions up. He'd been brilliant in the lower divisions for Northampton, 
and he probably it was another exciting signing because we signed him the deal was announced before the previous season finished and then he kind of stayed at Northampton for the rest of the season it wasn't a loan thing but the deal got announced he'll be signing for Watford in the summer a little bit of pre-Bosman not really a Bosman because there was a transfer fee but there was definitely excitement about signing him which lasted about five minutes because he played about four games and was promptly disappeared to Oxford but I think the fact that he was signed to replace John Barnes but he was never but no one's John Barnes (laughs) nobody is John Barnes but he wasn't even close to being John Barnes, let's face it. Oh, yeah. And he didn't last very long. But I think he also wasn't helped by the fact that we signed two players that summer who had been ripping up lower divisions. And the other, of course, was Trevor Senior. And we all know what happened with Trevor Senior. But, uh, yeah, he was... Richard Hill was a definite excitement when we signed him, without a doubt. And it just, it just never happened. So we, we went with a three up front because, actually, that was the easiest position to pick. This, the let-down strikers, as you can probably imagine. We ended up with Nathan Ellington, Diego Fabrini... And Rod Thomas, but you, you put yourself out there for... Rod Thomas was probably the last player we've added to this 11. Um, I'll get Dave's shout on Rod, but you wanted a Kuna, didn't you, Mike? I've never... And I've got no rationale for it. <laughs> but I've never been rooting for a player so much to succeed than Javier Acuna. I thought... I've often thought with Watford, we haven't got enough players that the opposition don't like playing against. We come up against them week in, week out. You know, Dave mentioned uh, McGugan always scoring it. Against us, the, the one that I'll never forget is Marco Gabbiadini. Always used to score. I, I reckon he could pull on a shirt next week for Stoke and probably still score against us. There's an old, players like that that just bug me. They score against us, and I thought in Javier Cunha, I reckon we've got one of those. He's going to be a real thorn in the side. I think it's probably his nickname, which I think was the Pitbull. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. I think. So I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. We'd I'd love a Pitbull up front. But, um, yeah, having not learned my lesson from uh, Merkel and got excited about Javier Acuna, it turned out that he was, uh, well, he was rubbish as well, wasn't he? Yeah, him, him wearing that, that maroon away kit, which also I remember particularly with Diego Fabrini because his only massive moment was a equalising yeah. goal, the 90-something minute away at Reading in the season he played. But there's... If you watch the replay of that goal, you can see me and my brother in the bundle, in the limbs <laughs> behind the goal. You can also... Uh, you asked my brother about this. It was, it, we were on the way back from Manchester. I think it must have been Man City in the Cup, where we went 2-0 up and uh, went, lost 4-2. Incidentally, on that, on that train journey, we, we sat on the um, platform at Milton Keynes waiting to go to Manchester. It's sort of aware of a guy fumbling with his phone behind us. And uh, anyway, he put it... He was ca- carried on playing with his phone. And all of a sudden, it started blaring out music. I was like, oh, God... I hope he's not going to have that on like that for the whole journey. Then it occurred to me, he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> he forgot to put the headphones in and was listening to From the Rookery End. It was absolutely fantastic. But yeah, on the way back, um, Diego Fabrini was sort of walking through, making his way through the carriage, looking for friendly faces, looking at his phone, sort of looking vaguely uncertain, unsure and a bit worried, which basically summed up his career as a Watford player. <laughs> and it, he basically didn't know where he was going or where he was supposed to get get off he'd obviously been cut off from the from the main group there wasn't another Watford player in sight it was Paul Diego Fabrini on this train uh, basically trying to find his way home so we helped him out so I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Diego Fabrini good limbs at Reading uh, a funny 
couple of stories from Manchester. Well, I say funny. <laughs> um, take what you can get at this stage of the walk. Um, but he, he, he definitely, I know, yeah, we we're excited about him because scored, uh, scored for Italy. He, well, yeah, exactly. Italy, yeah. He had that that excitement to go with him. But but he, yeah, it, and that, that idea that you know he did get a goal that got a little bit exciting at some point, but he didn't. Um, and the final one though, uh, front three, because he said it wasn't just players that we have signed that were exciting it could be players that have come through the youth system that we got excited about but never really went on to anything was uh, one Rod Thomas Dave yeah we ended up with we ended up with Rod Thomas we kind of changed our rules a little bit didn't we someone coming through the youth team but again around that same sort of time the uh, the sort of Graham Taylor side had broken up the Graham Taylor era had broken up a little bit and here was this fantastic explosive young local talent who was going to pick up where you know do exactly what John Barnes had done he got in the team at 17 and he looked brilliant in those last few games before we got relegated and we thought well you know what he's the, he's the one we build the next team around to get us back and it, bless him it never really happened it wasn't he was a bad player he just from five yards <laughs> yeah it just never really it never really happened he had moments yeah it wasn't like he was a complete write-off but he never you know we again you think you've you think you've got the next brilliant young player who we can build a team around and it never quite it never quite happens it's probably probably a little bit harsh on Rod to include him in a team where we've you know spent lots and lots of money on some of these blokes and then they didn't really produce like Nathan Ellington for yes. example the, yeah the Nathan Ellington was the last man Mike a bit obvious really just because signed at that point for record signing and yeah. Well, look, Never I mean, did, my, did anything. Well, he'd, he'd ripped that division apart for yeah, years, absolutely. hadn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And again, one that had scored against us. And we'd seen it. You know, he was he was breaking records, really, wasn't he? He was scoring, I don't know if he was actually... You know what I mean. He was yeah. scoring lots of goals. And the reality is, most of the players we've spoken about, excitement levels were on a scale. Uh, none of them were sort of necessarily ringing our mates to say oh have you seen who Watford have signed you you're in for it now we've got this guy it wasn't really like that but for Ellington it did feel I think out of all of the names we've named he's probably the one that we have probably had most high hopes for the fee always dictates especially at that time it was a huge amount of money for Watford to be spending and as we've said as Dave said he'd been ripping that division apart for fun Uh, so we thought right we've got goals here uh, and of course, we went and put Diesel in a sports car, didn't we? Apparently, and uh, uh, didn't get anything from him. And it turned out to be probably for for a generation uh, the poster boy for disappointing signings. So this is the, the eleven we've come up with. Somewhere between Watford High Street and halfway up Kings Langley, uh, halfway up the the canal. In goal, Espen Bardson, mm. <laughs> Juan Carlos Paredes, Ramon Vega, Pierre Issa. And Paul Mayo, who I keep wanting to call Simon Mayo, but that's a different reason altogether, is our defence. Alexander Merkel, Lewis McGugan and Richard Hill in the midfield. And a front three of Rod Thomas, Diego Fabrini and Nathan Ellington. I'm not sure how long that uh, took up of our journey, but I think there's a little bit left to go. We're currently walking through some uh, bushy, stinging nettles and all that sort of stuff. It's a bit off-road, it's a bit on-road. But uh, we're, we're on our way to... Abbots Langley uh, as we head towards the Meriden and the Watford Trust's facility which was opened by Graham Taylor. As we finish our walk Michael we're walking towards Vicarage Road yep. which we have done a thousand times. Yeah. 
didn't always walk 18 miles before we got here, but we have done can today. I, can I correct you? 19 miles, because we took a wrong turn. Yeah, so we've yeah, done yeah. about 19 and a half miles. Uh, and yeah, I don't think... It was a beautiful route on a beautiful day, <laughs> but I think the next Watford home game is not necessarily the way I'm going to come to the game. <laughs> Did we establish whose fault it was that we did an extra mile? Uh, I'm not sure if we established that. I, 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 Gino's. Gino's, <laughs> obviously. I thought we were just in deep conversation about the world and all that is good and fun about football, and we just missed one of the, the, the signs. That's it. And it wasn't that big a deal. It was only like... An extra kilometre, I think that's all. Oh, I, think that's all. I think, you know, called the Taylor Trek... Uh, and actually, while we do this walk, it, it is impossible not to think about why we're doing it. And we spoke about the trust earlier and the and the good things that it does and why really it continues to be so established. And it is, of course, down to, to Graham Taylor and all that hard work he put in back in the day. And I think Graham Taylor would approve of us going there. He'd be very, very disappointed <laughs> that we ballsed up and went the wrong way. He'd, be, he'd think we're idiots, but he'd also be uh, pleased that we went the extra mile. Yeah. And, we, and we didn't like we could have made a, a shortcut and we didn't make a shortcut we went back we found the right track and we finished the Taylor Trek we can see Vic I can see Vic Road right now beautiful oh my legs are saying thank goodness but only right near the end only right near the last little bit when we got to the Meriden community centre definitely we, we de- I think we actually were surprised at how far we'd done at that point because that was 15 out of the 18 miles and I think my legs went don't worry you can rest soon I think they gave it a bit too quickly. Well, They're just a bit sore. We're still going. We're still walking we're fluidly. Our first corporate plug as well, because Wenzel's provided the uh, <laughs> the lunch at that sort of spot, didn't they? And it was it was magnificent, lovely Wenzel's uh, sandwiches, but most importantly the uh, the donuts. And I think it is important at this stage to say we've raised a bit of cash, which is which is great. We've really really enjoyed it. It's been a, a thoroughly enjoyable day. It's lovely to do something Watford related. On a personal note, it's nice to get out on a Sunday and and get 18, 19 miles under your belt, it's, it feels good. But these things, like anything, don't just happen. They take a lot of organisation, lots of volunteers out there today. So, uh, yeah, thanks to, thanks to those guys for making it such an enjoyable uh, and, uh, yeah, fun day. Yeah. See the Hornet shop, Mike? Do they sell, like, a, Blisters, a blister pastas or any, anything to sort of you know, relieve the stress of leg hurt? There is, a, there is an off-licence just down the end of the road. <laughs> oh, we should be off there. So I think we're about to head into Vicarage Road uh, to do a, a lap of the pitch. Hi, I'm Ketchianya, and you're listening to From the Recruiting. Michael, we have completed the Taylor Trek 2022. Uh, made it into uh, Vicarage Road. Got our medal from Rita, yeah. Mrs Taylor. Uh, fantastic sort of... Uh, Finale, yeah. and I think all our joints are now hurting. We're, 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 all of us, me, you, Dave, are doing a bit more oh, ee, oh, ee, as we're moving around. Yeah, definitely feeling a little blister on the ball of my left foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, late fitness test for Sunday afternoon, Sunday lunchtime for me. Uh, but yeah, lovely, um, lovely finish walking into the stadium. Always a thrill, whether yeah. it's match day or not. Uh, no matter how many times you go to Vicarage Road, it's always great to see. The old place, uh, rousing round of applause from the, the assembled dignitaries uh, <laughs> and watching crowd. Um, and then, yeah, just to get the medal from Rita Taylor was actually a, a, a real surprise. And that, what a lovely, lovely moment. It felt uh, really special, actually, to get that from 
uh, from Rita Taylor. So thank you very much to her for making the time and, and for hanging around to, for, for us to finish. Um, I love, I love. What time do they start? How long are they going to be? A lovely way to round off what I have to say was if we've been lucky with the weather. Um, not quite so lucky with the company, unfortunately. But <laughs> you, you both caught up to me and it stuck with me. But lovely weather. Hang on. You were the one lagging behind Dave and I. Yeah, that's it. Diligently uh, <laughs> documenting the day via social media. Both of you have already said, oh, can you send me the photos, Mike? Can you send me? So, come on. Multimedia sort of broadcaster and Taylor Trek completer. Thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, we've been lucky with the weather, which made it super. But a really nicely thought out route. The the whole sort of ethos of Watford and the community club and Watford uh, trust was never far from from your mind as you as you walked round it, and it was yeah just a really really rewarding morning and afternoon. And I think the plan is to do do another one. And if that's the case, and I I fully recommend um, for as many people as possible to to do it. It's it's great fun, good afternoon, and most importantly of all for a really really worthy and important cause yeah um, after the uh, we finished when I could just about stand up again uh, I had a chat with Rob Smith who's the director of the Watford uh, Trust and to find out a bit more about what it is I had a bit of a chat with Rob to, uh, to find out a little bit more about why we were doing what we did today so Rob why do my legs hurt? No. <laughs> what's what's the you know we 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 do the, the the Taylor Trek and you know for us as as what fans you know we're aware of the work. I'm a I'm a teacher and yep. sort of you know I've seen what the trust does within schools. But if, if someone who doesn't quite know what what is the trust? You know, there's some people I think blur the the yeah. the joints, don't they, between the club and the trust and think they're the same thing, but they're not, are they? No, no. I mean, the trust is very much well. Our vision ultimately is about improving lives and enhancing communities. Um, but we try and do that utilising the power of Watford Football Club, the badge uh, and the power of sport more widely. So what we try to do, the way we try and Im- um, improve lives and enhance communities is by making a difference through sport, physical activity and learning. That comes in lots of different forms, community projects, activities, one-off events like you've been involved yes. in today. It's about, for us, engaging people, um, inspiring people, empowering people in various different ways. Um, And sometimes it's just about trying to help people fulfil their potential or hopefully to make good decisions in their lives or hopefully to give them skills that they can then go on and, and have good careers and try and help people be the best they can be ultimately and what kind of projects yeah what, what projects are you doing at the moment lots of different types of projects so today is going to help a number of those projects um we have probably 25 different community mm. projects running uh and they range from in our health and well-being department programs to increase physical activity for, for people that might be inactive uh, so there's things like uh, weight management programs uh we do a huge amount of work around mental health and well-being uh, a lot engaging in schools but also community settings and then we do programs like uh, golden memories which is for people living with dementia and their carers so lots on health and well-being uh, programs around learning and skills like national citizen service and that's really about helping young people develop life skills uh, that they can take take forward programs like Premier League Inspires so maybe for young people in secondary education that um, maybe are struggling a little bit maybe um, need some a little bit of support and some alternative kind of mentoring around that then programs for 
young people that may be disadvantaged, disengaged and actually just need some positive activities to keep them in safe environments, hopefully doing things that they enjoy doing. So we do that. I'm giving you a range, a real sort of range of programmes. So it kind of cuts across um, football as as a core activity and that will always remain the same. So we do an awful lot in schools, um, curriculum time, after school clubs, we do player development centres. I can kind of keep yeah. going on and yeah, on. Yeah, so there's definitely. a really, really diverse range. And that's grown over the, the 30 years. And as we know, all of that really was started sort of through Graham and Sir Elton John and, and taking this football club out into the community and then hoping that that community then also comes into the football club. And you've been around for most of that time. You said the 30 years, not me. Um, but how, how much has it changed in, in that time for you, this, this work that, that you do? An awful lot, an awful lot in in many, many good ways. So in the early days, very much as I've touched on around uh, using the power of football to engage people, participation, uh, but very much kind of core football activity. So it would be holiday courses using football. It would be after school clubs, um, development centres, those types of things. And then what we found was over the years, sometimes because of, I guess, issues in society, there's been more and more partners contact us um, asking if we can support with different help with different issues so over the years there's therefore been a need for us to maybe diversify a little bit in terms of um, not just football so football is at our core and it always will be but actually it's about more than just football what we do um, and hopefully some of the projects I've alluded to give a give a flavour to that and over the years we've kind of grown with that I mean we are still a self-financing charity so days like today are crucial and your involvement and others in terms of you know raising funds is really crucial because we rely on sponsorship grants donations fundraising uh, as well as some income generation and that's helped us grow over those 30 or so years um, we're now around 60 plus full and part-time members of staff, um, casual staff ranging from 50 to in excess of 100, depending on the time of year and seasonal projects that we've got going on. So we've grown immensely, but actually it's really important that we keep the quality of what we do and that we keep true to what this football club stands for, which is, you know, engaging with the community, supporting the community uh, where we can. So um, hopefully there's still some really good things to come, but I think the staff, everybody involved with the trust, the volunteers and a number of them were helping again today. Uh, Our patrons, trustees have to take a lot of credit, especially our staff who over the years, especially during some tough times, have really gone that extra mile and, and made sure that we've maintained Graham's legacy, which I'm sure every Watford fan would know how important that is. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! We're in the red line, Michael. Yeah. Dave, how are you feeling at the end? Slightly uh, slightly worse for wet. No, I'm OK, actually. I don't know. I, I joked tonight at the end when, when we start in the second lap, and I'm not quite sure about second lap. But, <laughs> yeah, and the, the old knee was a bit... The last kilometre or mile or so, the last the old knee was a bit clicky, shall we say? But yeah, no, it's been brilliant. It's been um, it's been an absolute 
fantastic day. I mean, just the going around all of those different places and and going on that route and and almost feeling the spirit of of Graham Taylor as well. And I think we were quite shy about saying we took that wrong turn at one point. <laughs> and I think all three of us sort of heard that voice, didn't we, in the back of our heads? <laughs> and you three don't shortcut. You go back and finish it properly. So it's like, yeah, you could almost imagine him having a you know having a having a having a word with us about that. But yeah anything to do with, with with Graham Taylor it feels I think those of us that are supporters of the club as well as working there have that extra sort of that sort of desire really to make sure that what Graham Taylor and Elton John achieved at Watford and to make sure it stays central to what we do and I think we know working for the club we, you know we know when the results aren't what we want them to be on the pitch as happens has happened on occasion if we keep working with that spirit in mind and with that ethos in mind and with that thought in mind then at least we're getting that bit of the club right and I think there's a lot of talk around you know what what the club could do what what could be happening with the team but it's it's nice to have events like this with the trust as well where we can remi- remind ourselves of what Graham and Elton achieved here and why it's important to to keep that at the forefront of what we do it's not easy it's a different we live in a different world now to the world that Graham and Elton lived in when they started the family enclosure and all the other brilliant stuff that they did at the club but that that ethos does say st- to stay central to what we're doing at the club and and so it should so we'll be uh resting up maybe some cold baths, hot baths, something or another to make the joints a little bit smoother uh, and make sure our Mondays aren't laid up uh, in our beds all day. Uh, but it has been fantastic. It has been amazing uh, to, to achieve it uh, and spend time with you boys. It's been very lovely. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, with another podcast where we'll talk about some Watford football as we normally do. But really hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast and um, you didn't have to share in our suffering too much. No, we didn't really suffer. It was a good... It Listening was a fantastic. the podcast is suffering enough, I think, John. <laughs> They've done enough. You can, as I say, Mike said, he's been putting lots of stuff on social media. You can go and find it uh, on our Instagram and our Twitter uh, and our Facebook. If you just go to at Watford Podcast and look for it there, um, you'll find in sort of, uh, the documentation of it. Like, so the one particular photo where you see Dave and I just sort of both thumbing, thumbing through our phone, sort of saying, yeah, no, that's, we need to go back up there. And yeah, yeah that's, that, yeah, there's the route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's got us lost here, absolutely. Absolute massive donut. <laughs> uh, one, one other thing, you can sponsor us. You don't need yeah. to sponsor us directly, but there is the the Taylor Trek, the main page. If you Google that, you can find that, and you can make a donation to the uh, the what we keep calling it the trust. It's the Community Sports and Education Trust. Yes. They do, you know, their work is wide ranging, important, and valuable in this community. We say it all the time: we're a community club, we're a family club. We have this ethos. They do it. And the, the money that was raised today and any, any donations that come in afterwards are vital in, in making sure that that, that continues. They, they have an impact. The work they do is, uh, is, is important and meaningful. So if you either sponsor us or look up the, the main page, and I know times are hard, uh, money's tight, but if you can find even a, even a couple of quid, it will, will make a difference. So... Um, yeah, thank you. A massive, massive thank you to everyone that, that has sponsored us. Um, it, it's, I don't know. It feels, it feels quite. Um, yeah, it's really generous of you. It means, yeah. it means, it means a lot to us that you would spare money to, to sponsor to, to us to do it. So thank you very, very much to, to those that have sponsored. If you haven't and you can afford a couple of quid, please do consider it because it's, uh, it's great work and, and stuff that we can all be proud of as, as Watford supporters. I can tell Michael. I can tell you that uh, across the day, our total has gone up by £50 so we're at four, uh, both of us uh, over £453 between us That's all right. so thank you so much for everybody who uh, who made a donation I'm sure we'll put ourselves through something else 
where you can donate to us again fairly soon. Responsibly from watching in Watford 90 minutes, a full 90 <laughs> minutes, please. <laughs> we'll be back soon. Come on, you all.